Good morning. It is Tuesday, July 28th, and this is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus pandemic in mid-Missouri. You can catch Community Pulse Monday through Thursday at 9 a.m. on KOPN, and all episodes can be found online at kopn.org and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Today on Community Pulse, our host, Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, is joined by guest Sarah Hum, public communication specialist at the Columbia City Manager's Office, to discuss the 2020 census and how it's been affected by the pandemic. Our host, Dr. Alleman, is a local family physician and host of Your Health Matters here on KOPN. Both Sarah and Dr. Alleman join us by phone this morning. Welcome to you both. Good, Good morning. morning. Thanks for joining me, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Before we jump into talking about the um, uh, the census, I want to just go over some numbers. Uh, 16.7 million uh, cases worldwide uh, with 658,000 deaths and 10 million people in recovery in the United States. We're still running around four cases, 4,435,000, with 150,000 deaths and 2.1 million people recovering. So we have 5% of the world's population, but we've got 25% of the world's cases. Um, In Missouri, we continue to trend upwards at an accelerating rate, uh, uh, 44,014 cases, with uh, 1,309 new cases. And it's not clear to me, there's also 511 cases among offenders uh, by the Department of Corrections. So these are not counted as the county cases. And I'm not sure, and he says that this number is not included in the cumulative total, which is somewhat concerning to me. Um, the top three uh, case, uh, three counties are Ray County, Livingston County, and Randolph County. The county seems to be staying in the top for uh, more than a couple of days in a row. And our seven-day average case of positive cases is 1,221, the highest it has been. Uh, we're setting new records, and it looks like it's accelerating at an accelerating rate. Here in uh, Boone County, let's see if I can bring that one up, we had uh, 10 new cases in the last 24 hours, 1,061 total cases. Uh, And um, so we've got an ongoing um, unstable situation. And in the context of all of that, we are also trying to count everybody because this is a decade year, it's 2020, and by the U.S. Constitution, we are required to count all the people. And Sarah, tell us, tell us a little bit about how it's going. Sure. So um, here in Boone County, uh, we actually just started um, what they call non-response follow-up. And so that's when you see census takers coming door to door. And so that is definitely something that in the that age of COVID is, you know, they have to take precautions and the census has been wildly affected by COVID. Um, it was actually, the, the whole census process was actually supposed to wrap up here in just a few days. Um, because, but because of COVID, they extended the deadline. They pushed back when they do all of their non-response follow-up. And so um, that is, is both a good thing and also brings new challenges. And so um, here in Boone County uh, and in Columbia 
specifically, we've seen a, a great increase in our response rate over the past week and a half or so. Um, and so we're really encouraged by that and making sure that we obviously want our community to be counted because it's, it's very important for us for the next 10 years. Talk about why this census is so important, Sarah. Sure. I think for a lot of people, we don't really realize the massive impacts the census has on our everyday lives. I certainly didn't until I started working on outreach. So it, and mostly the biggest thing that we probably don't know is that it impacts hundreds of billions of dollars in federal funding. And so when we say federal funding, we're specifically talking about things like healthcare and schools and roads and bridges and lunch programs and Head Start and affordable housing, um, federal Pell Grants. And so it really is very expansive. It goes, the list is on and on and on and on. And so, you know, when we talk about what's at stake, if we don't participate for every adult and every child who doesn't participate in the census, we potentially lose $1,300 per person per year in federal funding. So that's $13,000 per person over a 10-year span. And, you know, if you think of some of the local nonprofits here and think of how much they could do with that money to help our community, it has a huge impact. And not only funding, uh, but also when we talk about representation and how we're counted as far as how lines are drawn for wards and districts, you know, they use census data to redraw those lines. And so if you're not counted, then you're not considered uh, in where you're living when that, that time comes. And then finally, we know that census information is used widely by businesses and nonprofits. Nonprofits use it when they're, like, applying for grants um, to show demographic information, and businesses use it when they look at population growth and demographic growth. And so they really look at that to see where they might bring new jobs and where they might open a new store. And so it really has a big – it could have a big economic impact if, say, we have a good response rate that shows growth. That, that could be good potentially for us down the line as far as um, our economy goes. So, so many decisions get made based on it. And any time anybody is thinking, I wonder how many people live in a place, when they Google that or look that up online, they're probably getting U.S. census data, right? Absolutely. Yeah, those signs you see when you drive into a town where it says population estimates, those are from the census. And so, yeah, that's – and I feel like that's probably the thing that people know the most is, you know, what is the population of a town? And it certainly helps, you know, as – local governments figure out how population is growing or not growing and to then adjust and and figure out what the trends are. So so when you say the non-response follow-up, so most of us got a census form in the mail, right? Correct. Yes, correct. And then those of us who um, are a little bit on top of our paperwork opened it up and filled it out. (laughs) <laughs> and if if people didn't and and we did it was so, I I'm I love the census and I was so excited to do it and you know it was kind of an interesting time for us because we had a temporary extra household member because of uh, the closure of um, 
colleges during spring break. So somebody was visiting us for spring break and ended up being, you know, staying longer than we expected. And I think we're not the only family that had that happen. And so the question was, right. you know, where that person was supposed to be counted. And we worked that all out. But it was just a fascinating thing. I really love data and how do we collect data and what does the question look like and what are other people going to think about this question? And people could either fill out the form and mail it in, and I think there was a way to fill it out online. Is that right? Yeah. So this is the first time ever that it has been available online. And so obviously that's really great because we're in 2020, and most of us have, you know, available access to smartphones or computers. And, it's you know, we're more likely to fill it out in a way that makes sense for us. And so if we want people to fill it out, you know, it obviously has to be in a way that that people will fill it out. And so, yeah, there are – multiple ways that people can fill out the census, even now still. So you can fill it out online at my2020census.gov. And then there are also, there's a phone number you can call. Um, And online there are, you can take it in 13 different languages. Um, For the phone numbers, there's a different phone number for each language. Um, So that way you're connected with someone who speaks the language that you're wanting to fill it out in. And then the paper form, which was sent out in April, um, if you're someone who keeps mail, maybe you still have that. If you're someone who recycles your right. mail, you probably don't. <laughs> so, yeah, so when we talk about non-response follow-up, it's those people who have not yet filled out the census. And so it's checked okay. by household. And so if your household hasn't filled it out yet, you will have a census taker come to your house. However, I will say, if you don't want to have a census taker come to your house, you can still fill it out online or by phone and then you'll come off of the list of, of households they need to follow up with. And if you are a person who has piles of papers on your desk and you think, I bet my census form is in there somewhere, is it too late to fill it out nope, on paper and mail you it can back? Still, yep, you can still fill it out and mail okay. it back. And, and the Census Bureau has also sent lots of um, other pieces of mail reminders, even one as late as last week. Um, and so okay. if you're looking for information, I'm sure that you probably have something if you're someone who keeps your mail. Okay. So if you're a procrastinating hoarding Luddite, you could do it that way. <laughs> yes, it, exactly. Um, but there are many ways it sounds like to sign up and be counted. Now, there are, there are I've heard there are some uh, people and communities who are resisting giving their information to the census. Are, you, are we seeing that in Colombia or do you know yet? Well, we we always know that there are some what we call historically undercounted populations and some hard to count areas, um, and okay. some of that. Well, that's is... a very kind, neutral way to say it. Thank you, Sarah, for saying that <laughs> nicer than I did. Yeah, right. But we see a lot of intersectionality where some of it is uh, people who are actively not filling it out, and some of it are people who um, just don't know or ha- haven't had the time, and so. Um, there are lots of intersections of, of folks who we know aren't going to fill it out. Um, and some of those, yes, are people who are resistant, people who don't trust the government, um, things like that. And there are communities who have good reasons to have some suspicions about um, the way their sure. communities or them, themselves as individuals might be treated by the government. Um, and they're, you know, interesting if you go back and look historically at what was counted in the census, the description of who people are and, you know, uh, calling, uh, you know, referring to certain people who we would consider household members as property, like, you know, I mean, they don't quite say that, but they, anyway, when you look at historical census data, it's like, oh, well, that seems creepy, but today right. we're, we're doing things um, 
with more uh, current sensibilities, right? Yes, and and you bring up a good point that some people might be fearful to fill out the information. Uh, people who may be concerned about their citizenship status or people who maybe are immigrants and refugees and something like this in their country would be very detrimental to their livelihood. Um, and so we definitely understand that there are some concerns from certain populations, but we do want folks to know several things, that their information is safe and secure, um, first and foremost. The information can't be used for other reasons, can't be used to, against you. So, for example, if someone has a warrant out for their arrest or they're concerned about immigration, they're concerned about tax collection agencies, they're concerned about, you know, maybe that they have more people in their household than it says on their lease, that information can't be released to their landlord. That information can't be released to the police. And so we want people to know that it is safe and that the information is collected specifically for data purposes and it can't be used against them in a negative way. And there's actually federal laws that say it can't be used in other ways. Correct, yes. That's right? written into Article 13. It's, it's, yes, it is something that is oh, so very it's even like constitutional. It takes it very seriously. Yes, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so not, not that people don't sometimes do unconstitutional things, but we have <laughs> written in as good a protection as, as, we, as we could muster. Um, so, and how is it that, you, that the census takers, now, so send, are, are you hiring people to, to go door to door, or has that already happened? So, that's already happened. Um, there have okay. been, because of COVID, you know, obviously things were delayed, and so in some places they're still hiring people, in some places they're not. So, it kind of depends on the area you're in. And right now here, uh, they were hiring uh, maybe a month and a half or so ago. I don't know if they still are, um, but okay. we were one of the first areas in the country because we're part of the Kansas City area office. We were one of the first areas in the country to start having the census takers come, um, and so those will be deployed around the country kind of in shifts, if you will. Okay. So, and they are knocking on doors and very politely asking people, um, can I help you fill out your okay. census form? Yeah, and, you know, one thing we really want people to know is that the census takers are required to take a training on COVID-19 precautions and social distancing, and they're also required to maintain um, compliance with local health laws. So, obviously, here in Columbia, that means they'll be wearing a mask. And I've, mm -hmm. I've seen a couple in town, and they are wearing masks. And so uh, something else we want people to know is that Obviously, if someone comes to your door, you know, in this day and age, some people might be wary to answer the door. Um, yeah. But we want people to know that the census takers are easily identifiable. They'll be wearing a badge that has their, their photograph. It'll have a, a seal on it. Uh, it'll say U.S. Census Bureau. They'll also likely have a bag with them that says U.S. Census Bureau. Um, but if someone has a concern, they can contact the regional office to double-check someone's identity um, just to be sure. And how would they contact the regional office? Sure. So there's a phone number that uh, I can look up for you just one second. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But we um, we put out a press release. Um, okay. It was well, if you want to send us that so press release, we can post it online rather than taking yeah. up your time or attention trying to look up a phone number. Um, well, I, ju I actually so just found it, so I can, okay, I can rattle great. it off real quick. Please do. Um, so, yeah. So if... Uh, 
if anybody has any concerns about who might be coming to their door, they can call 312-579-1500 to speak with us as a bureau representative. Okay. And and that would be a thing if you if you think I, that looks like a census taker, but I'm not really sure. I just want right. to know if that person is there. Right. Um, right. Okay. And that that the, I know there was a lot of press early on about was there going to be a question about citizenship on the census form, and whatever happened with that. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So when we were talking earlier about people who might be a little concerned about filling it out, so we also want people to know that. The citizenship question is not on the census form. However, there is a question about Hispanic origin. So what I have been telling people is to just fill out the fields that you're comfortable with. So if you're uncomfortable filling out Hispanic origin because you may be concerned about immigration status, you need to do what's safe for you and your family. Um, Gotcha. Again, that that information – oh, go go ahead. You can return an incomplete form. Yeah, so ideally they want people to fill out the form completely, um, but course. they will take they will take um, an incompleted form as well. However, depending on how incomplete it is, they may follow up um, with gotcha. you because of an incompleted form. Uh, but you know, if it's something where there's a lot of information missing, you're probably more likely to have a follow up if rather than if just there's one question that's not answered. Gotcha, gotcha. So, and we are counting all the people who live in the country, not just the citizens who live here. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. So it's every household. So um, it's everybody who's living in a household, which then also brings up the question about folks who are experiencing homelessness. Um, right. So we, there, there is a process that the Census Bureau does that works with um, local agencies to help identify those folks to make sure that they're counted as well. Okay, and if it, what about people? Do people count as a household if they are, say, part of our living in an RV? So yeah, that would also be part like, of the count for the unsheltered folks. So yeah, they have a whole list of of what what that means wow. of, of unsheltered. So it's people experiencing homelessness, people who are living in hotels, RV parks, uh, in their vehicles, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I'm sure that whenever a person gets into gets deep into the woods about data collection, you start to realize there's categories of things you were going to count that you didn't even realize existed. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm trying to dehumanize the people we're counting. So, yeah, there's probably all kinds. If you're counting households, then it makes you think about all the possible ways people live. Yeah, absolutely. And the Census Bureau, from what I can tell, has done a good job to consider all of those folks um, because, you know, they are part of our community, um, even though they don't live in a household. So, and you know, we obviously, because funding is such a big part of it, and we want to make sure that we get enough funding in our community to help our most vulnerable populations, obviously it's very important for us to count everyone. So how does the change in the timing affect counting college students in Columbia? Oh, boy. (laughs) It's a doozy. Uh, So they were originally supposed to count college students um, before they left or uh, post, you know, right at the beginning Uh of COVID, um, which was really difficult um, because they're still gone. And so 
you know, we can do all the messaging we need to, but they're not here for us to message to. And so, so college students are counted in, in two different ways depending on where they are living. So college students who are living in um, on-campus housing are counted by the university. So if you're okay. living in a dorm, you don't, count, you don't count yourself. The university counts you. The trickier gotcha. one is for off-campus students. Um, that yeah. becomes really tricky when we consider that right now is the time of year where people are doing a lot of move in, move out. And so if you're someone who lived in apartment A in April and now you're moving to apartment B, technically you should be counted where you were living as of April 1st, which would have been apartment A. And so this is going to be very tricky in figuring out who should be counted where and how they should be counted. And, and it's, it's certainly going to be a challenge, um, but I've heard that there have been some discussions, too, on how, how else to count those students. And luckily, luckily, good or bad, we're not the only ones experiencing this. There are plenty of other college towns across the country who are also struggling in this. And so uh -huh. we're, we're co in constant contact with our, our Census Bureau partners out of the Chicago office and, and making sure, you know, we have up-to-date information and figuring and, and learning what, what is happening at the national level that will help us here. Yeah, so if um, people are listening who would like to get more information about the census, they're curious about it, they'd maybe like to be helpful, what would be a place that people could uh, contact somebody either locally or statewide or nationally about the census? Absolutely. So locally here we have um, a partnership called the, it's called Boone County Counts, and it's a partnership between the City of Columbia and Boone County. And so with that, we have a website, um, and then we have a Facebook account, an uh, Instagram account, and a YouTube account. And so we're constantly daily pushing out information there. And so if people want to stay informed about what's going on, then they can follow us there. And if they want to share the post, we'd be very happy. Uh, we have a couple of uh, videos coming online here shortly that feature uh, folks that you probably know. And so... Uh, we already did one uh, an animated video of uh, Nikki Magruder and Verna LeBoy's family, and it was perfect. And then we have another video coming up that highlights some of our big nonprofits in Columbia, so the Food Bank and Voluntary Action Center, City of Refuge, and the Housing Authority, to talk about why the census is important for how they serve our community. And so just sharing that information is extremely helpful for us. Because the more people we can educate about why the census is important, the more responses we'll get. We also have right. flyers and posters and things like that. So if someone is really gung-ho and, and wants to help kind of pass out some information in some of those areas where we are struggling to get responses, then they can contact me directly. My email address is sara.humm at como.gov. And I can get them connected with some resources to help uh, share the information in our community. Well, that is a lot of different ways that people can help. There's all the, you know, it's an it's a time to with several opportunities to be active as a citizen. We're coming up on a, a local election, local and primary election. Um, I guess primary election, and um, many people are voting either early. I mean, absentee voting or by mail. So there's that, and then there's 
sort of a related citizenship participation opportunity is to um, return your own census form or um, uh, encourage your friends and neighbors to do the same. Right. And just like voting, filling out the census is also a civic duty. And so once you vote, also fill out the census. So kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, that's a beautiful uh, thing. Is there something that I haven't asked you about that you think that that you want to make sure that uh, the listener hears? I think we pretty well covered it. But, yeah, I think think, uh, hopefully people listening will have gained a little bit of knowledge in why the census is important. And if they haven't filled it out, they will. And and something else I encourage is to just talk to your, your friends and neighbors and family members about it and ask if they've filled out the census because, you know, me telling somebody to fill out the census may not mean as much as someone's neighbor asking them if they filled out the census. As, because sometimes when we're talking about people who are concerned about some of the things of why they may not, you know, if they're reassured by someone that they know and trust, then it it comes off a little better. And so that's why we're putting out videos with people who are known in the community to also add some, some validity to that, to hit some of those more vulnerable populations who may be concerned. That's a, that's a, those are great ideas. Do you have um, in, input, or do you, uh, have you come up with any questions that you're that are on your mind? I think you all, you all covered uh, pretty much all of them. I had a list, but Dr. Alleman, you went through. Um, the only one that still stands is: um, Do we know what the response rate was from the last census, and kind of what um, Boone County or Columbia is looking for for this one? Sure. So when we talk about response rates, we the numbers that we talk about are self-response rates. And so when we say that, it's when people fill it out on their own without someone coming to their household. So the Census Bureau assumes that 100% of people are counted uh, because they send out people who knock on doors. So when we talk about response rates, we talk about the self-response rates. The last time, which was in 2010, was about uh, high steps, so like 77-ish percent. Um, right now, we're at about 65%, and so we've got a little bit of ways to go still, but obviously COVID uh, really put a wrench in everybody's thoughts and focus. So we understand that people aren't exactly focused on the census right now, but we hope that as you know, we get the word out more, people will understand why it's critical to our community. And remind us one more time about kind of like the timeline. How long do people have to turn in their census data? Sure. So the new deadline is October 31st. And so there's still a good bit of time to fill it out. Um, I would encourage people, though, to not wait um, and go ahead and fill it out either online or by phone. Or or if you have that piece of mail sitting around from the census form that was mailed in in April, to go ahead and, and submit it. So that way you don't have someone coming to your house. And census workers will come to a house, um, I believe it's three times, um, and then they can also go to a neighbor and ask basic information about their neighbor. And so um, obviously, you know, we want to make sure we're filling out information about ourselves. And so, you know, just making sure we're being proactive and submitting the information now. Okay. So those census workers, do you mean that they could go to a neighbor and ask questions to help fill out the census for that person who hasn't filled it out or just ask questions about like, do you know when they'll be home? (laughs) So my understanding is that they will ask. So for example, if apartment A isn't home and they haven't answered their door three times, they can go, they'll go to apartment B and say, 
how many people live in this in this household next door? Do you know their names or their ages or things like that? Um, and so that can obviously not always be accurate because while your neighbor may know your name and maybe how old you are, they may not know any other demographic information about you. Mm-hmm. So tell us one more time how people can fill it out online. So people can fill it out online in 13 different languages by visiting my2020census.gov, or they can call um, a phone number to fill it out as well. And for English, the phone number is 844-330-2020. And do you need to, like, give your first or last name, or is there, you know, a certain ID that you have to have in order to do that, or can you literally just go on the website, type in your address, and submit the information. So there is, in, in the many pieces of mail that they've sent out, there is a code associated with your household, but that code is basically just there to fill in some basic information about your address. Okay. But um, yeah, you can go in and, and the information required of each person is name, date of birth, uh, sex, national origin, things like that. And so uh, that's, what, again, why we tell people their information is safe, because you, you do feel like you're giving a lot of information about yourself. Uh-huh. But again, if people aren't comfortable filling out certain questions, they can leave it blank. Great. Thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us a rundown of, of what's, what's going on with the census. Dr. Alleman, do you have any more things to add for today's show? So I just want to tell you that um, Jenny says that tomorrow, Jenny Chadwick will be hosting tomorrow, and she's going to talk about taking a break from the virus while not pretending it isn't here, uh, trust in the government on both levels, and um, then she also wanted to follow up on a personal um, and then uh, feeling like uh, having some questions about the the social distancing and masking that was happening, and then subsequently finding out that a positive, a person who was positive for the virus was present when she was there. So um, some uh, interesting insights into the ways we uh, move about and the things we need to do. Um, and then Thursday, my guest will be Sarah Davis, who's a local uh, uh, former home birth midwife um, and a recent graduate of uh, Master's in Public Health. And she and I have just had ongoing conversations. Um, and the most recent one we had was about um, her reading of the literature, not as an expert, but just as a a citizen and a mother about what we think we have found out from different places opening or not opening schools and how that has worked. So we're going to be talking about school opening on Thursday. Awesome. And um, I know that we both had some homework to do uh, (laughs) from yesterday. I did not do my homework. (laughs) We'll do our homework tonight. We're day late. <laughs> we'll get it. Sorry about that. Oh, that's going to bring back nightmares from being in school for way too long. <laughs> so I will um, leave the same blessing. Please wash your hands, wear your mask, uh, generate a, a cultivated, cheerful confidence that your body can handle a viral infection and be well. Great. That's it for today's edition of Community Pulse. Thank you so much to our guest, Sarah Hum, Public Communications Specialist at the Columbia City um, Manager's Office. As always, we want to know what questions, comments, and insights you have related to coronavirus. You can leave a message for us at 573-874-1139, email gm at kopn.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. 
You can catch Community Pulse live Monday through Thursday at 9 a.m. and later in the day at KOPN.org and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Up next is an abridged version of Background Briefing. Thank you so much for listening to KOPN 89.5 FM, your volunteer-run, listener-supported, open-access community radio station. Have a great day.